Thank you very much, Karen. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful. We have a relationship with you. Christ is our life. Your spirit is actively at work in us. Thank you to that. We're members of the body of Christ. We share and interact with your word and consider its application this morning. We want to be doers of your word for your glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Paul Brand spent many years in India working with leper patients. And he says in his book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, as I study leprosy patients, Sherwell findings push me toward a rather simple theory. Could it be that the horrible results of the disease came about because leprosy patients had lost the sense of pain? The disease was not at all like a flesh-devouring fungus. Rather, it attacked mainly a single type of cell the nerve cell. After years of testing and observations, I felt sure the theory was sound. The gradual loss of the sense of pain led to misuse of those body parts which most depended on pain's protection. A person uses a hammer with a splintery handle, does not feel the pain, and an infection flares up. Another steps off a curb, spraining an ankle, and oblivious, keeps walking. Another loses use of a nerve that triggers the eyelid to blink every few seconds for lubricating moisture. The eye dries out. The person becomes blind. The millions of cells on a hand or foot are living, or the living and alert rod and cone cells in the eye can be rendered useless because of the breakdown of just a few nerve cells such as the tragedy of leprosy. A similar pattern can be found in other diseases. In sickle cell anemia or leukemia, the malfunction of a single type of cell can quickly destroy a person. Or if the cells that keep kidney filters in repair fail, a person may soon die of toxic poisoning. Think about being a member of the body of Christ. As Peter emphasizes as he discusses his book, writing to people who are going through some difficulty and some persecution, not from the government, just from other people that are living around them, he emphasizes the importance of the body. Peter writes to specific culture. We live in the 21st century live in a culture that may have somewhat different issues, but yet Scripture is very applicable. For example, in Peter's day, there were slaves. Today, we would have employees. There was a strong political leader in Peter's day. Today, we live in a democracy. There were strong family ties in Peter's day. Today, we tend to have more of a individual mindset. As we've been looking at 1 Peter chapter 1 and 2, we find that 
the local church, the community of believers forms us as it did the saints in Peter's day. This is a concept we struggle with, I think, in understanding and applying due to our culture today. Our American culture actively, aggressively, passionately, intentionally promotes individual. Obvious, and maybe not so obvious, the enemy is behind such a philosophy since it is the opposite of God's design for body, for fellowship, for community. The individual mindset is not new, but very, very strong in our culture, and that's been true since the founding of our country. Our culture is basically individual. Let me share a couple examples of the individual culture in which we live coming from the Christian community, Christian culture, there's a strong emphasis on personal Savior. Most, if not many decisions are made on an individual level, whether it be a job change, whether we're going to be involved in sports, whether we're going to relocate, you know, how will it affect me? We tend to expect my style of worship, my style of music, Many times people will select a church because do they have something for what I want for my kids? Do they have what I want for my age group? It may be middle age, it may be older. As we think about our daily living, many times we start with me, my family, rather than thinking about the body of Christ. I don't know if you observe hymns and songs and spiritual songs. Many times they're written from an individual level. If you look at our hymnal, many times it's about I. Many times we don't sing collectively. And I'm not knocking that, I'm just saying that comes through at times. Interpretation of scripture. I've read many commentaries over the years. Well, how does this apply to the individual? And many times... It's not discussed how it applies to local body of believers. Again, the individual mindset. In our own Wyoming Valley area, in the Back Mountain area, there have been many churches started due to individual or several individuals being unwilling to be molded or to be rebuked or to be corrected where they were. We many times teach family first at the expense of the body, the local body. We live in a secular culture. When I say secular, I'm just talking the culture in which we live that tends to emphasize, you know, the individual. We have my phone, my TV, my room, my computer, my car, my clothing, my rights, my house, my meal. You know, just you know, emphasis on the individual. And many times we don't have to share because we have my, whatever it may be. Many times decisions are made according to how they'll influence me rather than maybe family or circle of friends or the neighborhood or the church. Career decisions are made many times around financial well-being. 
and advancement, not the impact on the family, not the impact on the community. You know, we have all kinds of choices for preferences. You go to the store and you can buy all kinds of radios according to what you like. You can buy all kinds of TVs according to what you like. You can pick your news according to what you might like. You can go to the store and you can buy tons of different kinds of shampoos. You can stand there and look. Remember years ago, Ruth Ann took me to Wagman's and she said, I want to take you down the potato chip aisle. I said, honey, I just want a potato chip. I don't want all these choices. But, you know, according to my, we have an individual preference on phone and music. That's just our culture. I'm not knocking it, but that affects us. And that results in less and less face-to-face communication. I just read an article this week that there is much more counseling being required for loneliness than even 15 years ago, and they attribute that again to part of the individual culture that we can get what we want. But that's a culture in which we live, and that culture has consequences. There's been a marked increase in counselors, unprescribed drug use, many shootings, family breakups, bitter cutting words. We are blessed with a tremendous amount of knowledge, but wisdom and discernment many times are lacking. We tend to build walls, a result of the individual mindset. We have our personal life, we have our family life, we have our church life, or we have our community life, but particularly, we tend to build a wall around ourselves. And we kind of live as an island rather than in relationship. When we emphasize individual, there's a decrease in trust. A handshake isn't good, everything's got to be in a contract. Increase in lawyers, increase in lawsuits, many times told to trust no one. We live in a very demanding culture. My rights, my preferences, my possessions, change the government according to the way I want it. And then there's a tremendous fear of being known or being accused, a fear of face-to-face relationships. We also have a fear of a a covenant where I keep my end of the bargain whether someone else doesn't keep their end. So we have contracts. We live in an individual culture. It's not new. It's been around for many times. But as we've discussed First Peter, if you want to call it the sin, is that there tends to be an individual local fellowship divide. And by that I mean the individual in Christ has an individual life and a member of the body of Christ's life. They're separate. Individual decisions do not influence the body of Christ. 
We're told that, but individual decisions do influence other believers because we're part of a body. It's nobody's business what I do in my private life. When I'm not with the body, it's my life. Now, those things being very prevalent when you have the individual, the body of Christ divide. Peter is writing to God's elect. And he talks about the culture in which they were living. And we want to look at several passages from 1 Peter as it relates to the body of Christ. In chapter 1 and verses 3 through 5, we find that Peter talks about the new birth. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power into the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Now he is writing to various believers in various areas. He's writing to groups of believers. He says he has given us new birth. Collectively, as a group. In chapter 1 and verse 22, now you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for your brothers. Love one another deeply from the heart. Purified, and what's he say? Love one another deeply. You as believers care for one another. In chapter 2, he's writing to groups of believers. Verse 1, therefore rid yourself of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Again, writing to a body of believers. Malice does not just influence one person. Deceit influences many. Hypocrisy influences the body of Christ, but not only the body of Christ, also unbelievers. Envy tends to result in withdrawal. Slander can influence many people. The mindset of individual, it's me. Peter says no. It involves others. Look at chapter 2, verse 9. But you're a chosen people, a chosen people, more than one, a royal priesthood, a group of people, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Again, the idea of plurality. He doesn't say you're a chosen individual, a royal individual, a holy individual. You become part of a holy nation, part of a priesthood, part of a people. Look at chapter 3 and verse 8. 
Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Again, the idea of the body, not merely an individual. In chapter 4 and verse 7, the end of all things is nearer. Peter said that back then. We wonder how much closer we are today. But the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. See the idea of body? Use a body. So you as a body can pray. Love each other deeply. Why do we need to love each other deeply? Because it covers a multitude of sins. The implication is pretty strong, I think, that we struggle with sin. And when we love someone, we don't back off from them just because they sin. Again, the idea of the body needing one another. Go to chapter 5 and verse 1. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, as one who also will share the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. He's talking to elders. That's plural. But he also mentions God's flock. And the comparison is to a flock of sheep. A flock is more than one. A flock is numerous sheep and compares the body of Christ to a flock and instructs the elders to care for the flock. Again, relationships, a body. In chapter 5 and verse 5, young men, be submissive to those who are older. Again, talking about relationships. Micah, Hayden, Jacob, JT, be submissive to Jerry and Arden and Ray and Daniel. That's the idea. The younger, being submissive to the older. There's relationships. All of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So Ruth Ann being humble towards Jane, Irene being humble towards Molly. The idea of humility rather than proud. But relationships, humble yourselves, the body, therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Again, the idea of body, not individual. We won't look at any of these passages, but 1 Corinthians chapter 5, chapters 12 and 13, Ephesians 4, 1 through 5, 21, and Colossians 3 would all emphasize again the idea of body. 
not individual. So what is God saying? Believers are members of the body of Christ. There is no life as a believer apart from the body of Christ. You can't separate the head from the body. We need the head, but we also need the body. Again, I will read from Paul Brandt's book. During my life as a missionary surgeon in India, and now as a member of a tiny tiny chapel on the grounds of Carville Leprosy Hospital, I have seen my share of unlikely seekers after God. And I must admit that most of my worship in the last 30 years has taken place among people who have shared my taste in, have not shared my taste in music, speech, or even thought. But over those years, I've been profoundly and humbly impressed that I find God in the faces of my fellow worshipers by sharing with people who are shockingly different from each other and from me. And then he says, C.S. Lewis recounts that when he first started going to church, he disliked the hymns, which he considered to be fifth-rate poems set to sixth-rate music. But as he continued, he said, I realized that the hymns, which were just sixth-rate music, were nevertheless being sung with devotion and benefit by an older saint in elastic side boots in the opposite pew, and then you realize that you aren't fit to clean those boots. It's out of your solitary conceit. We're part of a body. The saints to whom Peter is writing are part of a body. There's differences. But you need, we need one another. Because one's connection to Jesus Christ is through the local body of Christ. No connection to the local body, no connection to Jesus Who's the head? See, sometimes we want Jesus, but we don't like the people that we have to contend with in the local body. And Peter says, you need them. They're part of the body. Our doing well individually is dependent upon our connection to the local body. I think that's true or false. I think that is very true. Our doing well individually is very closely connected to our connection to the local body. To reject the local body is, in a sense, rejecting Christ. Because you can't separate the body from Christ. Now think about your physical body. 
and your finger says, I want to be connected to the head, but I don't want to be connected to the body. It's not possible. You've got to be connected to the body to be connected to the head. The same is true in the body of Christ. Individualistic members in the physical body destroy it. That is the body. Individualistic members in the physical body destroy it. That is, they destroy the body. And I quote again from Paul Brent's book, And Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. I like to think of fat cells as the banker cells of the body. In times of plenty, they bulge with excess. As the body deposits more than it withdraws. In times of want, they channel their chemical wealth back into the bloodstream. Sometimes a dreaded thing occurs in the body. A mutiny resulting in a tumor, lipoma. A lipoma is a low-grade benign tumor. It derives from a single fat cell, skilled in its lazy role of storing fat that rebels against the leadership of the body and refuses to give up its reserves. It accepts deposits, but ignores withdrawal slips. As that cell multiplies, daughter cells follow its lead, and a tumor grows like a fungus, filling in crevices, pressing against muscles and organs. Occasionally, lipoma crowds out a vital organ like the eye, pushing it out of alignment, or pinching a sensitive nerve, and surgery is required. I've removed such lipoma tumors. Under a microscope, they seem to be composed of healthy fat cells, bulging in shiny oils. The cells function beautifully except for one flaw. They have become disloyal. It's their activity, or in their activity, they disregard the body's needs. Living individual rather than in connection with the body. I remember my dad coming home from the doctor one time, and we knew that he had a big lump in his back. Dad said, well, it's time for the tumor to be removed. It wasn't cancerous. It was a fatty tumor. That was not living properly in relationship to the body. In essence, individual, rather than those cells contributing to the body. Individualistic members in the body of Christ destroy it. Physical body, but also in the body of Christ. Lack of body community is a primary reason and lack of health among believers. And I'm talking spiritual health among believers. The well-being of you individually, marriage, family, job is dependent upon your relationship, your connection to a local body, a community of believers. There's a great temptation to begin with me, my family, my job. And God, as you read the epistles and as he writes to the believers in 
And Peter writes to the believers in various locations. He says, you begin with the body. You're related to the body. It's your relationship to the body that enables you to live well in your daily life on the job, in your daily life, in a family, and so on. Because your relationship to the body reflects your relationship to the head, Christ. We demonstrate our yieldedness to Christ by our relationship to the local body of God's elect. We need the body. Yes, we're individuals, but we are to live in dependency upon Christ, through dependency upon the body. Some thought questions just for us to think about. Who knows your sins, your struggles, your temptations? Yesterday, I had an individual call me. The individual said, I'm calling you for one reason. I'm really struggling. I'm supposed to be doing something, and I'm really battling with doing it. Will you pray for me? I said, sure, I'll pray for you. I'll pray with you right now. And the individual said, here's when, when I must respond to a certain situation. And I prayed for him during that time. What was he doing? He was saying, I can't make it alone. like a fellow on Friday night who ended up yielding to something he's been battling with for months because he lived as an individual. Who knows us? That's why Peter says, love covers a multitude of sins. We may know each other's struggles. We may know each other's sins. But we still care for one another. That's free. Do you seek counsel, accept counsel and decisions? With great shame. I apologize to my wife. Years ago when I started having physical problems, I said, Honey, you can't tell anyone that I got this thing growing in my forehead. Here I am a pastor, living as an individual, expecting my wife to live as an individual, rather than letting her be part of a body to accept encouragement and to accept counsel. That was wrong. That hurt my wife. I wasn't living as part of a body. I wasn't encouraging her to be part of a body. She couldn't get counsel. She couldn't get guidance. And in some decisions I made at that time, I would confess I lived more as an individual rather than as part of a body. How many decisions are determined by the impact that it might have on the local body? Just think about it. Do we, do you, say no to items that may, and opportunities and so on that may keep you from the local body? 
Why do we get by with the least acceptable amount of time with the local body? I think I'm just a thought question. Sometimes we say, do I have to? No, you don't have to. But why don't we want to? Because we're part of a body. My foot never says, I've had enough of you, body. I'm leaving you. I don't want to be with you. God designed us. We need one another. Do you think our body or my choices? Are you known as a person that is deeply committed to a local body? Peter is writing to saints who are going through difficulty because of their faith. And he says, you need one another if you're going to make it through the persecution that you're facing. We need the local body. And down through the pages of church history, and very true today, the individual mindset pulls us away from living in the context of body relationships. We need to come back to and keep in mind I'm a member of the body, not an island. I need others. I can't live for God's glory individually. Developing those as deep-rooted beliefs. Thinking I'm dependent in all areas of life. I show dependency upon Christ by dependency upon the body of Christ. My maturity depends upon my relationships with my local body. It may extend beyond local body. At times that's just talking local here. Playing around the body. Understand core priorities. Learn to rarely use me, my, or individual in the sense of it's just about me. Not you're wrong to use those terms, but consistent, faithful body life, corporate worship and shepherding are vital. We're talking about that just long term. Year after year. That forms us. That molds us. Into being able to more and more fully reflect. God's glory. I confess. that I'm tempted to live as an individual. It's easier for me to go through a joy and keep it to myself, to go through a struggle and keep it to myself. But God continues to faithfully teach me, Dan, you can't manage yourself. 
And many times I reflect on an older saint. When I say older, obviously older than me. An older saint that I've known for many years. The individual doesn't have a lot of uh, what we would call splashiness about him. You would meet him and you'd think he's just a common ordinary guy. He doesn't have any super abilities. But over the years, he continues to learn and continues to live in dependency upon the body of Christ. And he continues to influence people just day by day in his daily living. And having known the man for dozens of years, he's much quicker today to say, I need help. Or let me tell you what God's doing in my life than he was 12 years ago or 24 years ago or 36 years ago. The body forms us. It makes us. We need one another. I keep hearing quite often from people about our country and things that are happening in our country. I don't know what the future holds for our country. But unless there's some change, we probably, as the body of Christ, down the road, five or ten or twenty years, local body, the body of Christ at large in the U.S., will face more difficulty just as we live out our faith. We'll need each other in that context as we do today. Not to try to change the culture, but to be sought, to be light where we are and what change we can bring about, we do. But needing one another to remain faithful for God's glory. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We know we're part of a body, part of the broader body of Christ, the worldwide body of Christ, but also part of a local body. And we know that your word makes it clear that we live in the context of a body, but many times we're tempted to live as individuals with an individualistic mindset. We thank you that you faithfully work in our lives. And may we grow in being dependent upon others and thus dependent upon Christ. We love you. We want to remain faithful. Work to that end in light of our desire. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.